Um, it's really good to be here, not least because I'm not trying to get three tired children to bed, and uh, I get out of that duty by being here. Um, and it's also nice to be in the hall. I think last time I was here I was in the church, and normally when I'm standing up here, I'm a private, being an idiot, and Chris is shouting at me, telling me what a fool I am. So it's quite nice that that's with kids' church. <laughs> it's not just of a copy. Um, and so it's quite nice to, it's different, let's say, to be standing here. Um, shall, I, shall I pray before we begin? Dear God, thank you for your word. And thank you for the truth and the riches in it. And I pray now that as I speak, um, that they will be your words, not mine. And that you will uh, open our hearts to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, Amen. So can I encourage you to keep the Bible open or to reach for them under your seat. We're at page 1161 and we've got uh, this great passage in 2 Corinthians um, to look at. Uh, so I often uh, think when I look back at my university days and I sometimes look back with quite you know, rose-tinted eyes uh, in some ways, but, but I kind of, when I think of my life as a Christian, I sometimes think that but I guess back then was when um, Christianity and, and sharing the good news and talking to my friends was probably the biggest you know, reality. I was most on fire. I had a lot of, I guess, a lot of friends, lots of acquaintances. And quite often, in terms of sharing the gospel and inviting them to guest events or to different events, it was much, uh, much easier. I did it more and I felt much more in touch um, with God in that. And I think, unfortunately, that I guess as I've grown older, and as life gets busier and as things happen, it's very easy to drift a little bit. And that, that kind of fire and enthusiasm for telling people the good news and sharing with it um, sometimes uh, grows a bit colder. I don't know if that's your experience um, or if, if that isn't the case, but, but that kind of sense of persevering or sticking at it is really what Paul's talking to us in this passage. And he says, and he says it twice, he, he talks about, um, do not lose heart as we tell people the good news. And, and really the passage is kind of in two parts. There's the first bit, if you look down, which is probably about one verse 1 to verse 6, which is saying, um, do not lose heart as we understand this, this ministry or this, this task we have of telling people. And then the second is towards the second half of the passage, where as we understand our future and where our future lies, that we shouldn't lose heart either. And that's what I'm going to try and look at in the next little bit. Um, but, but if we start at verse 1, if you look down at verse 1, it says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. I often think it's one of Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he writes letters from the New Testament, it's one of his great skills is that, you know, so he'll write a bit, and then sure as anything, the start of the new chapter, he'll always start with therefore. And so you're stuck thinking, oh no, well, well therefore what? Therefore what's, what's he just said? And, and to give you, rather than go through, you know, I think one chapter is probably enough, to tell you all about 2 Corinthians 3 as well, which might be a bit much. And in, in summary, he's talked about this ministry of the Spirit um, that we have. And, and Paul, as he writes to the church of Corinth, and he talks about this ministry of the Spirit, a ministry which is uh, one that brings freedom to people. And he talks about how he gives that to people. And that's our kind of job as Christians. If we believe in God, and our job is to share that good news, our job is that ministry um, which we're given, so that we can keep it all to ourselves, and we can let other people know the good news. 
And so in light of that task, that job, that ministry that Paul has said, he then says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Right, so you're thinking, well, why not? Because that's a big task we've been given. Um, and, and if we look down, sometimes that, that sort of ministry, that job, that task is called evangelism. And if there's one word to strike fear into the heart of Christians, it's evangelism. It's like, oh no, this is the worst possible. So if ever there was something to cause us our hearts to sink and lose heart, it's exactly this. So let's, let's find out why Paul then says, and um, why not? Because the reality is verse, if you go down and look at me, uh, look with me at verse 4. We see why we might lose heart. Verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, the devil's plan, the devil being the God of this age, is to blind people's eyes. And I don't know if you find that. You have maybe friends or family. You've told people that lots of times you've invited them to things, but they just, they just still don't see. To them, it's like foolishness. Um, and, and that's the, the God of this world blinding their eyes. And so that's the, the kind of, I guess, the reality we, we face. But in light of that, we see in verse 6, and this is the good news, right? It says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory, displayed in the face of Christ. Now, I don't know if you've seen the link. So those words, um, I'm sure it resonates. God who said, let light shine out of darkness. This was the God who was there in Genesis, way back in the creation, the God who made the heavens and the earth. And let's pause just for a minute and see that. Okay, so I'm going to give you an astronomy lesson, probably wasn't what you bargained for this evening, if this works. Okay, so that is the Earth. Strictly not astronomy, okay, because you can probably figure that out. But the Earth, as we know, is that little red bit, uh, not quite in the middle, but in our solar system. Okay, our solar system with a bunch of planets. Uh, Pluto got relegated because they discovered it wasn't a planet, in case you didn't realize that. But the solar system is part of the solar interstellar neighborhood. Our next closest star is Alpha Centuria, which is a long, long way away. And that interstellar neighborhood, jazzy name, is part of the Milky Way galaxy. That's us, our little neighborhood right at the bottom of the galaxy. So this is a galaxy that has between 100 and 400 billion solar systems in it, of which ours is one, and a galaxy which um, is, you know, is, is big, but not the biggest galaxy we have. So that's the Milky Way, where we're part of. The Milky Way is part of a, like a, a galactical group, which in a, in a moment of genius, the astronomers call the local group. That's the best they come up with, okay? And this local group has 54 galaxies in it, of which two of the big ones are Milky Way, which we know well, and the Andromeda galaxy, which you might have heard of. So that's, that's our local galactic group right in the middle. Now that local galactic group is part of the Virgo supercluster, right? So we're just, the, that's local group in red. Over to the right is the big boy in this supercluster. That's the Virgo cluster. It's pretty huge. Um, but we're just part of that. There's about 100 galactic groups within that, right? Still with me? That is part of a local supercluster. just got a bunch of these massive superclusters all together. And that local supercluster in the red 
is just a little bit in terms of the observable universe, right? And, and, and that's just a tiny bit there. And that universe, they kind of, they observe it, and then it speeds off into the distance and becomes bigger um, because of, of, of the nature of it. So the God who created the world, the Earth, way back at the beginning, I can't go back fast enough, um, is the same God who... John Lewis No, there? Got it, right. So this God who created is mind-blowing, right? And the scale and the size of the universe and, and the God who created that, created all those details of superclusters and local groups and galactic groups that we just can't bear to imagine. That same God is the God who has the power to change lives that we read in verse uh, down in verse 6. For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who made those massive universe made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light, the knowledge, the glory of God. And, and that's the amazing thing, because it's, it's God who does the work of changing people's lives. It's God who recreates people and, have, you know, and, and uses the same power of creating the world to do that recreation. And so I guess the, the really important point, the encouraging point, is that the job of people becoming Christians, the results department, in this whole affair belongs to God. It's his department, not ours. And that's a challenge for us because we want to control things and we want to do things and we want to be proactive. And it's a bit like, um, I sometimes think when I go to France and I'm stood in the shop and I say, je voudrais du baguette. If I please myself. That, that, um, that's my best accent. And they don't understand. And so I say, well, I just need to speak faster. Je voudrais du baguette. And still, it typically makes no difference. Um, and, and it's that sense that we want to control and use our ways of doing it. And, and Paz actually mentioned this, if you don't mind me saying the same story, this morning, when he said that when Paz became a Christian, he had that enthusiasm and the excitement which went with that. And he desperately wanted Kirsty to believe as well. And so Paz did everything he could. He invited Alpha Talks, he gave her books, he talked to her, even to the point, which is brilliant, of taking her to South Africa to the church that Paz became a Christian so that Kirsty could recreate the exact same experience. But, but in God's mystery, nothing happened in that church <laughs> in South Africa. Because, because actually the results department is God and not us. And so we, 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 you may think, well, that's a bit confusing. But the truth is, that's actually encouragement. Because it means that we can rely on God and God's power that created the universe to do the work of saving people's lives. And all we have to do is, is our part. And that's what we see in verse 5. So if you look down again at verse 5, it says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Our part is to be faithful, and is to tell people about Jesus. And uh, I had a friend when I uh, started work uh, called Keith, and he was a massive Bristol Rovers fan. And you could not have a conversation with him without mentioning Bristol Rovers or what was happening with Bristol Rovers. And he was passionate, and he was infectious, and he just to talk about it, it spilled over. And for us, you know, if we really believe, I guess what we have, this gift, I would say is a bit better than Bristol Rovers. Yeah? But yet it's still hard to be 
as contagious and enthusiastic about it in terms of as we speak to people. Um, but, that's, but that's all part. And I think Paul's really clear uh, as another point in verse 5 when he says, he says, well, what we preach is not ourselves, it's not about me or you, but Jesus Christ. And I think that's a challenge for us as well because I find this particularly hard um, in that it's easy to, to potentially preach a story which is about morality or good living or good works or when people ask me what I do at the weekend I can talk a lot about great community service great stuff with kids uh, all you know, the good, good things we do but actually I can have that whole discussion and I can never mention Jesus and the truth is mentioning Jesus weirdly is the really it's the stumbling bit it's the word that it's hard to get into conversation but Paul says, he says that our part is to preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And I, and I guess you might think, oh, no, this is bad, because that's difficult. But we've got to remember again that God is responsible for the results, not us. All we have to do is to be faithful. There's a story um, I heard of an evangelist called John Chapman, um, and he was at a mission in a university. And they used to review the events of the day, and they used to say, you know, what went well, what went badly. And then they would always say, so how many people were converted? And John Chapman was the big speaker at this mission. And John would always stand up at that point and say, thank you, this is the time for me to leave. Because what he said was, if you tell me a big number, I'll get all proud and think I'm amazing. If you tell me a low number, I'll get all despondent and think I'm useless. And, and the point he was, he was making was that all he was called to do was to be faithful and was to talk about Jesus. And actually, whether it's a hundred people or it's one person, that's God's department. And that's the encouragement for us because it's not our responsibility that a hundred people or two hundred people, but it is our responsibility to talk about Jesus. And Paul gives us a couple of useful pointers. If you go back to verse 2 and verse 3. He says, rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways, and we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God, but on the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So just three things to, to finish this section. So firstly, no deception. So we don't use clever tricks, and we don't use false pretenses, and we're up front with people. We just tell them the way it is uh, without any deception. Secondly, with no distortion. And this is probably the hardest because we really often we want to change the gospel a little bit because there's bits of the gospel, the hard bit about heaven and hell, the hard bit about a judgment day for all that we want to skirt over and to distort slightly. But Paul says that we don't distort it. We don't distort what the Word of God says. And thirdly, no complexity. You know, so we want to make it plain. Because it's a simple gospel. It's a gospel that a young child can understand. And we want to be clear and we want to be straightforward. My, my dad told me when I... And I remember very clearly when I was young. And he said that the gospel uh, is a bit... It's as simple as that, that we have this relationship with God and it was clear, and it worked, and the lines of communication were open. But then what happened is the bad things we choose to do, the things we choose to do to run our own lives, brings a blocker in. And we can't then speak to God, and the communication isn't open. 
And what Jesus does for us is that Jesus takes that, if we let him, he takes that onto himself. And so that we can then have a relationship with God. And that can be open, the channel can be open again. And that's the simplicity of the gospel. Of the fact that, that we do wrong things that block our line of communication with God. But Jesus will take that on us if we let him. And that's the power and the simplicity of the gospel as we see it. Okay, so the challenge then on this bit. Do we trust God with the results? Do we know it's him? Do we trust him? Are we faithful about talking about Jesus? And can we explain the gospel simply? They say the best spontaneity is very well rehearsed. You know, so if anybody asks that question, do you know the answer and can you explain it? And so Paul encouraged us to say, that let's not lose heart when we tell people. Because God's part is opening the blind eyes. Our point is just telling it as it is and being faithful in action and prayer. Okay, so the second bit then, and the encouragement we see is when we go down to verse 16. And in verse 16, we, Paul repeats the same sentence. Please, therefore, do not lose heart. And there's kind of a link in verse 7, which is, which is quite a famous verse, or you know, certainly recognizable. When Paul says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This treasure is this, you know, the gospel we have that's entrusted to us. And that's in jars of clay. Now, you may know this. I had to do a bit of research. But, but jars of clay, um, in the culture of the time, um, they were fragile, brittle, throwaway things. So in some ways, a jar of clay was a bit like um, this plastic bottle. Okay, so it was disposable. It shouldn't really. I guess you should recycle it. But, but that's not a discussion. Um, uh, so it's like, like, a jar, like a jar of clay. So nothing precious about it. And the amazing thing is, God, let's see if this works. God takes this treasure, this amazing, precious gift he's given to us, and he entrusts it to us in jars of clay, which is us, you know, which are we're, we're kind of weak, fragile. So it's a bit like this glow stick. And when you become a Christian, okay, work with me in this one. It's like a transformation. So it changes, and you get this glow inside. So it's like that point about recreation. And then we take that glow, that glowing glow stick out of power, and it's entrusted into this jar clay. So it's in us and it's growing and, and uh, living within us. And the power, the word it says down here, the Greek word is dynamis, which, which gives us dynamite. And it's that idea, you know, this gospel, this treasure in our heart should be like dynamite. But it's inside our weak plastic bodies. And, uh, and that's our experience, isn't it? Okay. This is, um, I played football once a week, um, and I played football at Maiden Early, and I love data, I love my job. And so this diagram is me running around the football pitch, okay? <laughs> and so the outside has been warming up, and the very sharp of you will realise that, notwithstanding the bit at the bottom where I was in goal, I had no choice, the bit just above the bottom shows the fact that I did no defending at all, because I was nowhere near the edge of the penalty box or the penalty box. Um, but I suppose my point is, I played football once a week, and then I spent three days recovering from having played football, because I'm not as young as I used to be. And, and actually, you know, we, we, we all grow old. I mean, there's someone here who turned 50 tomorrow. Can you imagine how old that might be? And, uh, 
And uh, I mean, I don't know about him, but certainly my fragile body is slowing down and isn't as fast and doesn't recover um, as well. But the great news is that despite our frail wasting away, despite the, the battering we get and the challenges of the world and the upset, we still have this treasure that's entrusted to us, that's inside us and is glowing inside us, and which has been given to us by God. And, and as we tell people about this good news, it's like what we see in verse 15. It says that, that all this is for your benefit. So the, the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Because there's no way you know, we can boast in what we do. Because actually God isn't looking for people who have great wit or great humor or great public speaking or great intellect. He actually says, you know, you've got these jars of clay, so you, you have nothing to boast uh, in, really. Um, but the encouragement then, we look lastly as we come to the close, um, down towards verse uh, 16. Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so we see that we need to keep persevering. And the encouragement is the fact that, you know, our fragile bodies, that the world we see around us is not going to last forever. But our hearts, this treasure we have, will last forever. And we have a picture of eternity and an eternity spent with God. And so when you look at today's world and you think about the struggles and the challenges and, and the very real problems we have, we need to think about that time when we'll stand in glory for eternity. And if we keep our eye on that and we keep our focus on that, that'll help us get through what is tough when we tell people the good news. And I guess the challenge is if we live too much in this world... All we'll do is we'll, it'll be kind of woe with us and oh no, and this has happened to me and I've just been hit again and I just can't do it. And if we live too much over here, it will be, well, I, I, I have no empathy with you or I'm proud or I'm just, actually my head's in a completely different space. But what we want to do is hold the two in balance. So we understand the reality of this world and the pain, but it doesn't overwhelm us. And we're encouraged because we know that we have a future and a future to come. So we raise our gaze to heaven and we raise our gaze to what is eternal. And we should be encouraged by that. Okay, so as I close then, uh, can I encourage you, as Paul says in this passage, to not lose heart as we tell people about Jesus. To, To think back about that fire in you when you first believed. And to try and think about rekindling that and what that means and what that meant to you. To remember that results are God's department and not ours. And that we have a hope of a great future no matter how this world may appear to us. And so this week, and this is for me as well, absolutely. My challenge for you is to see if you can get Jesus into a conversation you have with someone. To see if you can actually mention his name. Because that's, that's us just being faithful. And then we can 
to use that cliche, let go and let God, because he will do the rest. And so as we look to the week ahead, let's see if we can get out there and we can be faithful and we can watch God work in our lives.